This is the Context Podcast sponsored by Geist Interactive. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. We in the Claris FileMaker community are problem solvers. We design scripts and layouts and data structure to solve problems for our clients. Alexis Allen, owner of fmdesignuniversity.com, proposes that we design to solve problems using an idea known as workflow-based design. Alexis has joined us once before to talk about this, but today she returns to share information about her new course, UI UX Fundamentals for Workflow-Based Design. In this eight-week course, she will teach FileMaker developers how to polish an app to be more intuitive in design, making getting work done in the app easier. After talking with Alexis, I see the value of this type of course. So take a listen to the details and see if this course is right for you. Hey, Alexis Allen, welcome back to the Context Podcast. How are you today? I'm great, Jeremy. How are you? I'm doing good. I, I hear you're kind of busy. You're 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 suddenly very busy, right? I am. It seems like the the new year has just sort of descended. You know, wham on Monday, and just back to work and back to doing all kinds of uh, fun stuff. So it's all good. It's all good. You know, that's great because, of course, busy it means more. You know, more busyness, more work, and such. But it's also kind of like a good way to get into the year, right? You don't want to putz around and kind of get started in the year. You want to you want to hit the ground running, right? I've been doing that. That's for sure. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so Alexis, uh, a couple months ago, I think you joined us to talk about workflow-based design. And I actually have some more questions for you about that. So I'd love uh, to talk about that. And I see that you are actually, uh, you've got a course going on about uh, workflow-based design. So I'm interested in in talking about that. Are you, you up for that? Yeah, for sure. Let's do that. Well, let's start by uh, just quickly introducing yourself again uh, to our audience. Yeah, so I'm Alexis Allen, and I have a uh, consultancy in Toronto, Ontario, Canada called Hyperspace Data Solutions. And I also run the blog and uh, course site called FM Design University. And I've been starting to offer some courses. I started off with a pre-recorded course, which is there, uh, just a basic course. And it's uh, broken up into little bite-sized videos uh, for people who uh, kind of maybe are new to the design process or maybe haven't done design in a very uh, sort of formalized way. And it's meant as an introduction to that. And then last year, um, I started to think about um, live online courses. So partially from the uh, pandemic, obviously, everybody is sort of isolated inside and kind of separated from one another. So um, I started up a weekly free uh, Zoom meeting, which is still uh, going. We're going to start again uh, on uh, January the 21st. Uh, That's just a free weekly thing. And it was really amazing to connect with people uh, sort of live one-on-one. Oftentimes, you know, we don't always see each other except at DevCon. So it was really great to connect with folks in the community on a more regular basis. And I really found that um, it's a really good way to actually communicate information and and to teach. Uh, Obviously, you know, being in person is great, but being online and having the time uh, Mm -hmm. once a week so everybody kind of can listen to the lesson and then practice some exercises, and then come back and share what they've learned the next week, as opposed to just watching a pre-recorded course. So I think there's mm-hmm. a little bit better learning uh, potential there for, for folks. So that was sort of the two reasons why I decided to launch that uh, live course. And workflow-based design just seemed logical because it's what I've been talking and doing in the last little while. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm happy about that. That you you're doing this online course that's you know it's live and such. And I, I you said you've done it once before already, right? And yeah. you're about to start up a new one. The new one starts January 27th, right? Yep. Um, so that I mean that must be going well. That's a good um, avenue to get the uh, design workflow concepts out to people, isn't it? Yeah, it was really great. Um, I sold out the first one pretty quickly, which surprised me, but also was really great, obviously. Yeah. Um, I think there's yeah. an appetite there for people to kind of understand this stuff. And I do think it's a bit of a shift uh, from the way that most FileMaker developers work often. And I've been guilty of this myself. You just kind of open FileMaker and get started, right? You, and yeah. you can do that. Um, but if you want to really create a great user experience, then there's some things that it just helps you to know. And so what I've tried to put in the course are things that I find are important that people may not know too much about and to kind of help them to incorporate that into their design process, into the process mm -hmm. that they already use um, to create whatever solutions they're creating for, for their clients. So it's really about, you know, I mean, it's a bit cliche, but working smarter and not harder and just kind of understanding, okay, what do I need to line up uh, in advance before I kind of get started that was going to help me make a better uh, solution kind of at the end of the process. Yeah. Well, again, I'm really, I'm, I'm happy about this. I think it's a great avenue. I think I'm glad that you're able to do it. I've, I've wanted to do some courses on JavaScript or whatever, and it's good to see that that model is working for, for you. Um, and I suppose the interaction, cause you will, we'll get into it. We're going to, we're going to talk about your course and, and share people, the ideas that came along, but I'm actually interested. First question is who is this for? I would say the first thing, uh, developers who are in shops creating, um, creating solutions. So who I envision this is uh, someone who is generally wearing all the hats um, or is on a team where it's not all that differentiated necessarily. And, um, you know, someone's got to do the design and whatever you put on the screen ends up being your design, right? So uh, somebody's doing that, <laughs> that process. So the question is, do you want to do it? Do you want to understand it and, and do it as best you can? Or are you kind of just you know, going by what you think might be good and, and not to fault people. I think people are doing the best they can and, and, uh, and also creating amazing solutions with FileMaker. And it's a great tool for that. Uh, but I, I think that a lot of people struggle with um, kind of understanding how to take their designs to the next level. So, you know, I've heard things from students like, I'm not really sure how to create something that looks good. Um, and so there's a lot to unpack there, you know, because looking good, it has a lot of aspects to it and it has to, it touches usability and, you know, the user experience. And of course, you know, this concept that we're talking about, which is workflow uh, as well as visual design. And there's a lot of planning. So, so part of the course is about teaching people about visual design and what's important to know when you're creating it. But a lot of it is about planning your design so that you end up with something really useful to the user. So it's about the user experience part of it as well. Um, so it is aimed at people who are kind of in charge of that process now, but would like to deepen their understanding of what goes into creating something that is really useful at the end of it. In our last episode, we talked about this workflow-based design. You gave some specific examples. And one of the questions I asked was, um, how do you deal with with clients who are, you know, 
dealing with the change of, of design. You know, I mentioned a, a former client that worked, that insisted on having a list view, even though, you know, that wasn't part of the workflow. Um, so two, two questions about that. Uh, number one, a more of a statement or an assumption, I assume your course, it teaches me as a FileMaker developer, not only how to design workflow based, but also how to communicate that or how to, <laughs> does it, does it help me be successful with those clients who may be resistant to a big change? Um, I'm not sure if I specifically addressed that in the first version, although that's really interesting. You say that, um, to me, that's more sort of change management, but, sure. um, yeah. for sure we could, we could talk about it. Um, the, the focus of the course is on how to approach your requirements gathering and how to approach uh, your planning so that it is more geared towards workflow. And the assumption is that when you are building your solution around the user's actual process, that you will end up with a more efficient, uh, effective, you know, hopefully better looking as well, solution at the end. So there's sort of an assumption there that whoever's asking you to do this has um, empowered you to actually make those process changes, or you are following a a process that has been set out in some fashion, you know, maybe it's the, you know, could be the client just telling you this is how we do things. And so you're doing it around those things. Uh, It doesn't specifically talk about optimizing those processes. But, you know, I had to cut it off somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, I can't teach everything in one course, so I'm trying. I'm trying to just uh, help people where I think they can use the most support. Uh, one of the things I really love talking about is sort of how to increase your ideas and how to see things in a new way. And and the, I got really great feedback from that particular um, module where we talked about just looking at things differently, and that was really fun. Uh, my second thought is just wondering. Um, <laughs> this okay, so. You mentioned requirements gathering. It sounds like not only is this a per, is this course for people who ha, who wear all the hats, but it could be for people who are whose sole job is to collect requirements, or you know it, those people will benefit from this too. Because if you if if your course is designed to help us see a different way to gather requirements, it seems like that business analyst person, the person who talks with the client about the problems that need to be solved, could have these concepts in their head as well. They could, absolutely. I do try to keep it also practical as well. So if that person, you know, joined, then they may find that the FileMaker part of it is sort of less relevant. I do have um, one lesson on the actual, you know, programming part of it so that people who are developers feel that not only do they understand the process of workflow-based design, but they also can actually implement that as well, because there's a slightly different um, model that we've uh, come up with, myself and uh, my colleague, Wei Hao Ding, who works at Direct Impact in Montreal. Uh, he and I worked together on uh, one of the first sort of true workflow-based design solutions, and uh, he has an engaged presentation about it as well. And um, I think it's called How to Get a Handle on Your Processes. And um, so I'm teaching that one and breaking it down for people so that they can also uh, not just learn about the, um, you know, the, 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 
the theoretical, like the hypotheticals, but also be able to apply those in their actual FileMaker solution. I mean, obviously they don't have to, but um, I find that, you know, we're really talking about not allowing people to edit in place, right? So if you don't allow people to edit in place, then you need to have an alternative way uh, to actually allow them to enter the information. And there's scripts that go along with that. So I'm providing that at the end as well. That's our last class. All right. Well, let's 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 actually get into the course. You um, you talk about at the beginning of your your discussion of this that you know it's really easy to get a an app up and running and um, solving problems. In fact, in our last discussion, we you you mentioned you prefer having a so-so looking design that actually solves problems than a a really well designed, really well visual thing that that doesn't work for the clients. Um, but your course is meant to polish up that working system and, and make it even better for them and maybe even change some things about the way it runs so that it's more workflow based. I like that idea that, that once we've done this course, once we've learned what you, what you have to teach, we can have a new way of building apps so that we don't just have to start with the bare minimum, but that we could actually start from scratch, file new and design an app the right way the first time. Yeah. So, all right. So let's talk about the uh, the concepts of this. What is involved with this course? I see you have eight weeks worth of instruction. Uh, do you want to just, should we just walk through each week and 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 kind of share the highlights of, of that week? And yeah, uh, yeah for sure. What's going on? So the first week is inter- introduction to workflow-based design. What, what's uh, what's the highlights there? So I'm basically explaining what workflow-based design is, giving some examples about, uh, you know, what do I mean when I say that? And um, a lot of the concepts are similar to what I presented in my uh, 2019 talk. Um, um, and But I'm giving just more detail and uh, mm-hmm. sort of depth around, you know, workflow-based design as a concept, essentially. So just okay. getting people, making sure we're all on the same page and that we... We kind of know what we're working towards. Personally, I like that you're starting with the concept idea first versus like getting into the nitty gritty details and the the, the how to. Um, as a former teacher, I appreciate concept based instruction. It you know it sets the foundation for what you're trying to teach. Everything that comes after it makes sense because people have the concepts in mind. Um, that you've already taught them. So. Yeah, so the whole the whole thing is conceptual, pretty much. Although we do uh, choose a sample project to work on. There, I, I think I have two or three different choices. So there's not a lot a lot of choice, but there's some choice. Uh, and then people work through the concepts on that sample project. Okay. So they carry kind of carry that through, and then keep working on it. So they have a chance to kind of listen to what I've said. Uh, you know, ask questions as well. Obviously, because it's interactive. I want people to have the opportunity to, you know, make sure they understand and, and get feedback. Um, and then they can start to kind of each week apply what they've learned. And there's uh, some exercises which, you know, you, you can do. I think the more exercises you do, the better it is. But they're obviously, you know, not mandatory. I mean, it's a it's a personal course, so nothing's really mandatory. But it's great if people can do the exercises and the assignments as well, because I think that's how they're going to get the most out of it. Um, and so when I introduce the concepts and then there's an opportunity to apply them as well. That's great. That's great. 
All right. Well, we, we talked about week one a bit. Go ahead and uh, lay out the next uh, seven weeks worth of, of content. <laughs> so uh, week two is creative problem solving, which really are, revolves around um, how do you get good ideas? And most importantly, how do you define the problems that you're going to be solving with this solution? So sometimes we kind of have a vague idea of what we're doing, but this uh, course, or sorry, this lesson is really about defining that and actually explicitly creating some materials for yourself, some lists and documents around actually defining what it is that you're going to accomplish with your solution in the end. And that ends up being slightly different for everybody. A lot of the uh, people in the course picked the same um, solution to work on, the same type of solution, but ended up with very slightly different requirements and, and problems that they were trying to solve uh, with it. So, you know, this is sort of where you have a rule, but in practice, it can come up with different results depending on, you know, uh, what your purpose is for, for you for you in your specific situation. And that was a really fun one uh, to teach. I was going to ask you, you mentioned unique problems, but in your experience, are there a bucket of problems that we all solve and that we can kind of, you know, use as a template or create a template for that particular problem solution? Um, no, I don't think so. I think it's really about figuring out what the bucket of problems is that you're going to solve with this solution and also defining what you are not going to solve, you know, like, uh, what won't be included. And sometimes it's, that's also important too, to say, well, you know, I'm not going to integrate with the accounting system. That's not part of what we're doing here. Right. So it's good for you to understand the limits of what you're doing. And it's also good for the client ultimately as well, that you're, you're sort of drawing some lines around what you were going to be building. Um, but this one is really about figuring out, you know, who your audience is, you know, uh, what, you're going to give them in terms of tools and, you know, kind of what the scope is essentially. Mm -hmm. And in order to determine that scope, you're sort of asking yourself some questions about, you know, the problems and the nature of those problems and the user group. So there's kind of a process mm -hmm. to defining those problems, but the problems themselves, I mean, there'll probably be some commonality between things that are very doing very similar uh, types of functions. So like if you took, um, you know, Zoom like uh, products, for instance, they're all kind of similar in that they do a basic function, you know, in the same way. But then the differences might be in the different features that you can or cannot do with, um, you know, go to meeting and Zoom and Skype and whatever else. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So we 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 uh, think of the the ways to solve these problems. What happens next? Uh, so then we talk about the sort of information architecture piece of it. Sort of what's the structure of it going to be? You know, this is sort of the data um, tables aspect that you know we're very familiar with. But then how do we actually translate that structure into a visual uh, structure, or a visual um, you know hierarchy, and also it, it really mainly affects how you're going to navigate around because you need to create a, 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 an architecture and an armature there that's going to hold the system together. And, you know, what are you going to show the user? How are you going to actually kind of um, organize that together visually? So if you have to do the organization part first, and then you have to kind of figure out, okay, what does that mean now that I've organized it in this way? What does that mean? How can I actually give them this to to jump around and get around where they need to go. 
that's a that's a great concept to teach because we we as we as FileMaker developers you know we stumble into it we start to create apps that help our particular business or ourselves or whatever but we don't get any formal training on this structure navigation this information architecture so um, actually I don't know I'm not sure that I've ever had formal <laughs> training on it. Um, there, there must be formal training out there because you're presenting it, um, but I wouldn't know where to look. So I guess your course is the place to look. For, I guess so. Um, That's right. Well, it does exist, but I think it's more geared towards web. Um, okay. And anyway, um, I, an author I really like is Abby Covert. She has a really nice little book about information architecture, and I uh, I take some material from her as well. But, you know, I think in the filmmaker world, there isn't anything really kind of formal. And that's often how we are. We're sort of borrowing from right. other uh, technologies and, you know, using them for our own purposes. But, um, yeah, this one is a little a little harder because it's the part where we're used to just sort of de defaulting to the structure that the table suggests. Right. Uh, yeah. So we've got orders and invoices and, you know, customers, we're just going to throw that up there and let people just pick where they want to go. Right. Um, and this is mm -hmm. sort of like a holdover from the early days where we really didn't have the tools to direct people uh, where we wanted them, in, you know, based on their role. It was just harder to do that. So you said, OK, well, I'm just going to give them all of the areas that they can get to and then let them decide uh, what they need. But when workflow-based design, we're kind of turning that around and saying, well, I know who they are and what they need to, to do because I, you know, I've defined their role for them. Um, so I'm going to actually only show them or I'm going to allow them to pick a workflow and follow that workflow rather than pick an area and then, you know, kind of just let them keep everything open and they just decide where they're going to go. But I'm going to direct them uh, more. So that's what this, this uh, week is about is kind of helping you make that transition from just data focused to workflow focused. That's great. How about week four? So week four is about actually defining what those flows are going to be. So who are your users? Um, you know, we do a bit of work around defining them and, and maybe creating a persona around them so that we kind of know who they are. And then also figuring out what the flows are that they're actually working on and um, making some, and I also teach just about how to create those flow charts for yourself. So you have some tools so that when you go to your you know, real project, you're going to be able to uh, map those flows out and know exactly what you're designing around. Uh, week five, ooh, we're getting into psychology. <laughs> yeah, so this is based on a, a DevCon presentation. The very first one I ever did was which is psychology of UX design. And uh, it's really about you know, teaching people like what, how to behave, humans behave uh, when they're looking at something like what does human perception do to their ability to learn and to see and what, what can we really expect from users and how do we uh, need to change our designs in order to support them more like, um, you know, it covers things like color, use of color and uh, stuff like that, but also uh, talks about, you know, having a clear hierarchy and how can we, you know, make that hierarchy more visually uh, clear so that people can understand better. And some sort of gestalt things that, um, you know, like grouping and um, similarity, proximity, all of those kinds of uh, concepts which affect how people kind of can understand the page and uh, know what's going on. And the stronger we can make those associations for them, the more effective the design and the greater the user experience as well. How about the next week, week six? So visual design basics is uh, a lesson around 
what do people would need to know about visual design specifically? So I think when people think about design, a lot of times they really mean just visual design. They're kind of thinking about, well, how do I make it look nice? You know, which is sort of like giving short shrift to what design really is. But of course, there are, you know, some things that um, are important to know about visual design. And um, so I go over those and, you know, just I just stick to the ones that I think are most relevant. And there's also, you know, lots of visual design um, principles out there uh, and some of them are less kind of less relevant potentially. Uh, so we talk about um, things that would help you make your just the visual part better you know alignment and uh, I can't remember off the top of my head exactly what I put in there but um visual visual all sorts of visual design principles man this is I mean it's a it's a it's really a dense course I mean just your descriptions I there's a lot to to talk about in each one of these so um that's exciting um and then we're on to week seven. If if people's brains haven't exploded by this point, um, well, all of the other students survived. Just letting you know, nobody. Uh, uh, okay, good. <laughs> That's good. You're you're you have a perfect track record for not exploding brains. Yes, exactly, um, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, week seven is all about design patterns. So, um, if you don't know what a design pattern is, it's essentially a a pattern. Like, how do I explain this? A, uh, a an interface set up like a drop down list would be considered a pattern or a radio button and check boxes and these are things that we have uh you know natively in filmmaker already right but there's other patterns that are a little more complex that uh we may need to build and actually filmmaker has given us you know a master detail as a design pattern that's a little bit you know more involved and that's kind of coming out of the box but there's lots and lots of other ones so i go over the ones that i think are the most useful that you might use the most often to, they essentially solve common problems. So uh, we have, uh, you know, a situation where you need a user to be able to, they have a very long list, right? And uh, they need to make a selection from that list. So you might give them a type ahead. So it's like kind of a, um, you know, variation on the drop down list idea. But there's lots and lots of those that are useful. And I actually go through FileMaker's interface and show you how those design patterns are actually used in FileMaker itself. And I chose that because, you know, obviously we're all really familiar with the FileMaker interface because uh, we use it all the time, but we may not realize that there are design patterns that are guiding that, that, uh, you know, are helping us to do our work. We can use those same patterns to help our users, right? So, um, so that's what that week is about. What's going on the last week? Do you actually, you're, you're doing some scripting. Oh, so you're actually using the FileMaker scripts to do some work. That's right. So now that we have kind of all of our background information and we understand, you know, what workflow-based design is, how to gather the requirements to implement workflow-based design, we know a bit about how to actually do our interface, you know, what you know, what are important things to keep in mind when we're actually putting things on the screen. And I wanted to just uh, give a, you know, a bonus <laughs> essentially to developers because I think developers really feel that it's important to, you know, apply these things. So now I have all this co conceptual stuff. I kind of understand, you know, what I need to start off with. How do I actually 
uh, implement this in a real solution. So as I mentioned before, um, my colleague Wei Hao and I um, were working together and I was working on the, you know, the conceptual part. And then he sort of took that and said, oh, I really want to make this into a robust, I hesitate to call it a framework because it's not really a framework, but um, concepts. So script uh, that scripts that uphold the concepts so that you can actually implement a workflow-based design. And then it's very modular so that you can use it in many different situations, um, essentially being able to provide an edit and card model that works and allows you to you know, work very well within the workflow-based design kind of conceptual framework. Wow, that's awesome. Okay. And Let's let's. So those are the weeks. Those are the topics here. Um, tell me what you uh, do during the uh, the class schedule, and is there any like homework that people um, participate in? Yeah. So the th- first thirty minutes of every class is devoted to feedback from the students. So um, I invite people to um, bring their assignments from the previous week uh, to share anything that they may have you know, either found interesting or that was difficult or that they just an insight that they found um, just to give general feedback about the concepts. Uh, and that's really useful because I feel like people learn really well applying things, but then also seeing how other people did something yeah. similar and maybe learn something the same or different. And um, so that's what we do for the first half hour. Or so, and then I lecture for an hour uh, with breaks in between to uh, allow for people's questions as well. So I'm going to make sure that everybody kind of understands and you know has an opportunity to uh, to give feedback and ask questions as we go. Um, I've broken things down. So I mean, if you've been to a presentation of mine, I try to follow a, a similar format in terms of you know having clear sections and you know you kind of understand what it is that we're doing and why before we actually start doing it. And then I threw out, you know, the material, I'll give exercises. So here's an exercise that you might want to do during the week on your own. Uh, And then there's actually an assignment as well. Um, So the assignment would be, you know, for this week, we want you to, you know, write out a list of problems or whatever it is. So um, what that means is that if you're following along, by the end, you'll have an actual solution and a bunch of documents that you've created uh, that will help you to uh, not just learn the concepts, but then also you can refer back to them later if you're actually trying to do this on a real project as well. So you have some reference material. Uh, The other thing, too, is the classes are recorded. So um, I upload them to um, to a, a location which you'll have access to if you sign up, and then uh, you can review the recording as many times as you want, and you have access to that for a year. So hopefully, people will really uh, be able to you know apply these things not just for the sample, but also for real projects going forward. Do you have a you have a small group of people? In this, yeah, right? the maximum is ten students. So I didn't want to create too large of a class because then I felt like I wouldn't be able to give everybody. Uh, the personal feedback. Um, I wanted to really keep it down to, you know, a manageable number. Uh, it seems so like 10 is a good number so far, and we, we have seem to have time for, for everybody. And also I do accept email submissions too. So if we don't have time in the class to talk about something and people didn't want to mention it or uh, have comments or feedback, then they can always email me their, uh, their stuff too. And I'm happy to look at it as well, you know, offline. So I, because there's only 10 students in here, I assume that, you know, there's some, some togetherness that is developed even during this time. 
Are you finding that during your your sessions? Are people you mentioned that people are like learning from each other's uh, assignments and how they how they uh, produce something? Do you feel do you get some back and forth between um, students? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's a little hard with online just because you know. It, you, you know, with the delay and the latency, it's a little hard to have like actual conversations and, you know, breakout rooms. We don't, we don't have, I mean, maybe I'll try to figure out how to, how to do it. It's obviously the last time I did it were the, was the first time I did it. So, you know, I'm learning a little bit as I go. Um, but yeah, for sure. We, we felt like a, a sense of community, you know, we're the same group of people meeting every week for two months. Um, so it does feel like a, a nice cohesive unit. And I was really sad yeah. when the last week uh, came around and I wasn't, you know, going to get to see the, those folks anymore. And hopefully we'll meet up <laughs> at some future event. Um, but, you know, we'll have that with the next class as well. I'm, I'm sure we'll all kind of, you know, get to know each other a little bit uh, and, um, you know, develop some, some camaraderie from having gone through, you know, this, the, these eight weeks together. What, uh, what's been, you said you've done this course once before uh, so far, what's been the most surprising outcome of this that, you know, you didn't anticipate that, you know, pleasantly surprised you? I liked how open people were to the sort of creative problem solving side of things and the exercises around that. And, uh, and that was really gratifying for me because I had never having done it before. I wasn't sure how people would take to doing something they probably had never seen before. Um, and so that was really, really nice. It was great to get feedback about, yeah, this is working. Yes, this is useful. You know, I mean, I know what I want to talk about and what I think is interesting, but until other people tell you that that's interesting to them too, you kind of don't really know, right? So everybody was kind of going in with it on kind of on faith. And so I was really happy that at the end of it, people said, yeah, this was really interesting. I, I learned things I didn't know before. And some of these folks were being like longtime developers, um, you know, and, and feeling that they had improved. So, I mean, I can't promise that everybody's going to be an amazing UI developer at, or a designer at the end of this. But what I can promise is that you will improve your skills wherever you're at. You'll learn some uh, tools that will actually make you better, make you a better developer, make you a better designer. And the more you practice these tools, the better you'll get. Because I didn't start off as an amazing designer either. I just had an interest in design and I started learning these things. And a lot of what I've put in the course are things that it took me years to learn through trial and error. So I'm trying to kind of cut that out for people and say, all right, I've been where you are. This is what it was, you know, helpful for me. And then I'm trying to give this to you. So hearing back, back from students that, yeah, this is really helpful. Oh, these are things I had never thought about. Oh, this is going to make me see things in a new way. That was just amazing. That's great. What did you mentioned? You might have learned some stuff before. What what's something that you learned in the last course? Oh, I I think I think really the stuff that I learned was all about teaching um, because okay. I don't have a lot of um, experience teaching yet. I mean, I, I do some um, you know lecturing and stuff, but that's different, right? With teaching, you really right. want to connect with students and really want to figure out what they're struggling with and kind of help them where they're at. Um, and you're not just sort of dumping a bunch of information on people. And I really try not, I, I know that maybe this seems like a lot of ground to cover, but I think that it's presented in a way that really does make sense and it builds on it, on itself so that people don't end the week feeling overwhelmed. Um, and um, what I've learned though, is really about kind of, you know, 
making sure that I explain things well and uh, that I really pay attention, you know, to hierarchy. We talk about hierarchy of information when we're talking about a solution, but that also makes uh, it's an important thing when you're talking about learning because people need to understand the higher concepts before they can dive deeper, right? They need to understand what they're doing, why they're doing it, and then they can kind of start thinking about, oh, okay, how could I actually apply this. So um, so yeah, it's been it's been a new experience for me to to teach, but it's also been really great because I love learning new things and and uh, it's its own little world of you know being able to to teach something as well. I remember my teaching courses, like the things the, the college that I went to and then when you get into actual teaching, you know, nothing actually prepares you for working with students one on one, whether they're children or adults. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, and adults also, you know, everybody has the, I mean, everybody thinks they know what they know, right? Like yep. we're used to being competent and right. And so it can be a little daunting. I think sometimes for people even contemplating thinking about taking a course like this, because they're like, am I going to feel stupid? Or, you know, it's like, there's no judgment. These are just, just information. And I don't expect people to have already known this. Otherwise, they wouldn't be taking my course. And and these are things that are not necessarily just obvious, you know. So it does require somebody to kind of explain to you and point things out. And that's what I try to do in the course is just, you know, inform people about here's this concept that you might not have known is important to know about. And so, you know, when you're designing or when you're developing something, keep these things in mind and it'll help you. That's, that's really awesome. Um, what are the, uh, the nitty gritty details about this? When does the next one start? Um, what's the cost? All that. So there's early bird pricing until January the 8th. The regular price is $7.99 US. Uh, and uh, right now it's at $5.99 US uh, if you sign up before the 8th or on the 8th. And it starts uh, on January the 27th and it runs until March 17th of 2021. And it's an eight week course, I think we already said, and it's uh, Wednesdays at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time if we want to get that specific. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good to know. Um, and people can sign up. We'll have the, the link in our show notes. The um, what, what's the, been the feedback that you've heard so far have, have uh, I know it's only been a week or so out, but has this really changed how your, your students have are learning to design? Yeah. I mean, I got the feedback uh, at the end that, you know, uh, people were talking about how it had changed their the way that they looked at things and um they were experimenting a lot of people throughout the course were experimenting you know with new design patterns or even the concept of a design pattern they may not have even really known um and being able to sort of call on this library of you know solutions that are already made for you and knowing kind of how to look at your workflow and say oh i have this problem oh and i know there's a design pattern out there that it can solve it you know that kind of stuff um, I think that was one that stood out. Um, and then just in general, I think, you know, people thinking differently about uh, their development and about their about noticing things, you know, noticing things about design that they hadn't noticed before. Um, so that was really, really great to hear from people who are longtime developers. And, and that's what, you know, that's what I want to hear is that, oh, I, I learned something new. Uh, it opened my eyes to these things that I didn't know about before. Um, yeah. That's great. Well, uh, I think, uh, you know, after hearing this, people will be interested in it. They'll check out the, the site and, and make a decision. It sounds an easy decision 
to be honest. Um, it sounds like it's a good idea for for FileMaker developers to be able to see design differently, more than just the list and uh, detail, more form view and detail list view, uh, more than just putting every button they can imagine on the layout. <laughs> yep. Um, but since we are problem solvers, it's worth it's worth knowing how to design to solve problems. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Sounds like your course has uh, some a good roadmap for that and lots of lots of uh, theory, lots of concepts and, and practice as well. So um, this is great, Alexis. I'm really happy for this. I think it'll, you know, I'm glad it's been successful the first round and I wish for many more sold out sessions for you. Uh, and again, you're you're showing a great model for for teaching, you know, differently for FileMaker. I think it's it's really good. You know, you're spending time with people, a smaller group of people. So I appreciate that as a former teacher. Oh yeah, and, and it's been great to actually teach people live because I think we've always thought about live right. as being like a workshop in person, and that can be yep. just a lot of work to set up and host. And you know, obviously you can't reach as many people. People have to actually physically be there. Um, but if anything, 2020 has taught us is that actually the ability to teach online is there. Now, whether we do it well or not well is kind of a different story. It's a lot of work. You know, I won't lie. It's a lot of work to create uh, course content that is engaging and interesting and understandable and, you know, like uh, keeping everybody together. So I actually have a lot of appreciation for those pe people who are doing it because there's a lot of teachers teaching this way right now. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, so it, it's, it's, but it's also really gratifying and I'm really glad that I can reach more people, you know, through this method and it kind of, the, the pandemic kind of just spurred me to just do it and say, all right, let's just do this. You know, we've got the tools, we can do it. Like, let's just go. So it's, it's been great all around. Great. Well, um, listeners, it's, um, you know, it's, we got a couple of days before the, the early bird pricing ends and I encourage you to take advantage of that. Even if you miss that deadline, it sounds like this course is still worth every every bit of the, the cost. So um, jump on that, take a look at the website. We have the, the link in the uh, show notes. What's the what's the URL though? It's um, fmdesignuniversity.com and then you click on the course uh, button at the top. There it is, okay. All right, well, thank you, Alexis. Uh, this is great to hear and I, I look forward to hearing more about um, how, how each each block of teaching goes. So thanks Absolutely. for joining me today. Oh, thanks so much, Jeremy. Take care. And that brings us to the end of another episode of the Context Podcast. Thanks to Alexis Allen for joining me today to talk about her course, UI UX Fundamentals for Workflow-Based Design. Act fast and sign up before the end of the day, January 8th, and receive the early bird discount. And stay tuned here for more episodes of the Context Podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us. We appreciate the feedback. Let us know what you think of the episodes. And until next week, remember, the Context Podcast is king. <laughs>